Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of Everyone Hates Marketers.com, the no fluff actionable marketing podcast for marketers who are sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. In today's episode, you'll learn how to launch things so you can sell those things. You know, it's a very interesting concept. My guest today has been on the show before. She's a newly retired copywriter. Uh, she now focuses entirely on creative direction, coaching for creatives, and she has a way to define kind of this bold point of view for them so that, you know, they are radically relevant to the people they are trying to sell. Very interesting approach. Uh, she's also the co-host of the YouTube marketing talk show, Hamia, which stands for Hillary and Margot, uh, Yellat websites, which is fucking hilarious name. So yeah. Hilary Royce, welcome aboard again. Merci beaucoup. It is such a joy to be here, Louis, and I'm just really excited to dig into today's topic because I know we have so much to discuss. And I do want to say, hearing people read back the name of my of our show uh, on every episode podcast introduction just will never not make me laugh. So sign of a good title, I think. It's a pleasure to be here. And so I'm jealous of you for a lot of reasons, but the number one is because you have a way to launch stuff. So as just mentioned, you, you offer coaching for creatives. Yeah. You've kind of packaged it very well. You named it. Thank you. Uh, you the power position, is it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you have a way to name stuff. You have a, a way to, to launch it. You have a way to send, send many emails about it without making it salesy in a sense. It's kind of weird. You use scarcity pretty well. You know, you. you give them a reason to take action. And from a marketer standpoint, deconstructing it i'm like fuck yeah that's that's good that's a nice way to launch things God so, well, thank you <laughs> before talking about how you do it and how what you've learned the mistakes you've made in the past about yeah. launching stuff uh let's just complain for a bit so perfect what's the wrong what are the wrong ways of launching stuff and before you answer when i mean launching it's really i think when we talk about launching we're talking about it in a kind of digital concept so launching yeah. new courses programs webinars products mm -hmm. In, in a digital way and that should that usually involves some sort of email list, some sort of social media i just wanted to say that before yep. moving on so anyway what are the ways that are in terms of mistakes uh, or the errors people make ways people do it wrong are we complaining this is the complaining yes. episode excellent yes. okay so i have a couple of critiques um that i usually go to and there are kind of two spheres of uh typical complaint uh, and critique when it comes to launching. And they're kind of fall into two categories, which is the uh, the problems integrity-wise um, and the problems technically. And I think just the first, you know, the, the integrity problems are the standard stuff I know you talk about on the podcast a lot, where it's like creating false scarcity, where you're like, I have two seats left and you have 17 and nobody believes you. And when you have those moments where, you know, the price is going up next time or it's not, or, you know, you are just trying to force people into too fast of a deadline because you really have to make your numbers this month. That can be another big issue, you know, integrity wise, just really. And also um, from the other, I think from the technical standpoint, you have people who, and this, this is going to, this may make some people uh, listening, uh, may make their, uh, their hackles go up a little bit, but I find people sometimes tend to send too few emails when they're launching, um, which is always interesting because they're hesitating. They're like, I don't want to bother anybody. I don't necessarily want to like go too hard here, but the, my, my personal favorite email teacher, who's this woman named Tarzan K, she always makes this point where she's like, every email you send gives you an opportunity to make more money. Why wouldn't you? 
And I also find from the technical side of things, people often mistake launch emails as just, it has to be, hi, here's here's a reminder about the offer. Here's what it can do. Okay, bye. Um, what you want to be doing ideally is creating value um, with your emails and just making them pleasant to read, giving people a reason to open, telling a story, sharing something that is interesting before you make the pitch so it doesn't feel like you're totally draining your audience as you go and just are interested in bleeding them dry for that sweet, sweet cash. Um, I also... So- when we think about the social capital, like the the, the, the trust that they have in you, if yeah. you think about it in terms of um, yeah, a capital of some sort, yeah. when you talk about draining, that made me think straight away, and which is why I interrupt you, uh, and I will interrupt you more. So be excellent. Be Bring it, it on. <laughs> is the is the fact that if you just drain the, the this capital, this trust capital, then after a while the, the, there's none left. But your way of seeing it, if I if I may, it seems like by using the V word like value, uh, yeah. you. You teach people stuff, you surprise them, you add to this capital. So then in return, you can also ask ask them something. Is that right? Absolutely, yes. And it's also for me, so I think a lot, and um, Andre Chaperone talks about this in Sphere of Influence, I think a lot about email as a tool to shift belief. Um, And if you go back through some of my emails from my most recent launch, the greatest obstacle we have right now as marketers is current events. Like our biggest obstacle is the news. How hard is it to tell to somebody when they are living in constant terror of a massive economic downturn. And for me, so for me, a lot of the stories was just about talking to the people for whom COVID was not a uh, business destroyer, but was rather a way that uh, something that amplified the fact that they were doing a lot of stuff they didn't want to be doing and that they were wasting a lot of time. And so a lot of the conversations I had were around that, which offers people value by giving them a different way to think. So it's not just like, let me teach you a marketing trick. In this email, it's also about helping people sort of change their mind, see things differently, get them thinking differently about themselves, their abilities and their business. And that's actually part of the joy of launching I think um, part of the fun that can be had is it's it's not how do you change people's minds by convincing them they need to buy something. It's how do you help people see things differently. So it's not necessarily a difference between I wasn't going to buy this, this is stupid, and now I am. But rather, you want to be talking to the people who are thinking, okay, this sounds interesting, but I'm not sure. What's What are the beliefs getting in the way of that? What are the ideas? How can we sort of walk people from that I don't know if this is the right time into, wow, okay, I completely understand. Now that I've reflected, this is exactly what I need. And those are always the best clients you can possibly have. You don't want the people you've tricked. You don't want the people who are like, well, I was scared because of all the scarcity. And so I have taken out my credit card to give you my last you know, $5,000 or whatever. You really want the people who are ready. So having that conversation and focusing really on the belief shift and uh, the steps that you want them to take upon reflecting and deciding whether something is right for them or not. Um, It's actually just a really fun, creative challenge and makes it interesting for the people who have to read all the emails. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff to unpack. You mentioned uh, Andre Chaperon's uh, product, like Fair of Influence, which is highly recommended. uh, Fucking great product that changes your beliefs around email marketing. I'm Uh, on the sales page for that, by the way. Did you know that? That's a little mm. Easter egg. Yeah. <laughs> yep. One of my fancy. articles from 2017 is on there. I'm very fancy. Well, me too, actually. My article uh, about Seth Godin and my interview was it was also mentioned there. So is there some kind of right. should we make t-shirts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, going back to integrity as an issue and tech yeah. as an issue. So you would yeah. say those are the two biggest ones, right? Yeah. Something I'm I'm hearing a lot about email marketing and automation. Like if you use ConvertKit, you can do pretty crazy automated stuff. Yeah. A lot of people would say, you know, it's 
it's easy, you know, just set up a fucking seven day email sequence one day at a time. And, and that's it. You don't have to do any work, you know, what do you think of that? Incorrect. Uh, fully incorrect. And I would say it also depends on what you're launching um, and what you're doing. Because if you are, you know, I always use, I'm not going to use an example outside the marketing space because it's not going to make sense. But I, I like to talk about this in the sense of like, you know, if you are a person who fix houses, fix roofs and someone's roof is broken, they don't need a six email sequence. Um, so it really depends like on the problem that you're solving. Is it how urgent is it? And how much, how many beliefs do you have to change? You know, if what, sorry, what beliefs do you have to change and where do you kind of kind of have to get people to? Um, and I think that the idea that you can just put up a seven email sequence and be done, um, I think there are some businesses in which that would make sense, but it depends on when you're selling, what you're selling. And when you're selling something that's application based, that's, you know, $5,000 or more, it looks quite different and requires a little bit more of showing versus telling. So this is why you have the PLF sequence for when you're launching a course. So you have the webinar or the three-part email uh, series or the challenge. And I've done all of these styles of launches. So you bring people in with a free item and then sort of move them through the sales process. Lately, what's actually been really working for me has been a combination of Instagram and email, because I find I have a lot of followers, a lot of buyers on Instagram. So I will use Instagram's posts, stories, and IGTV to talk about certain things at certain points of the launch. And the one-two punch has just been awesome. Um, I have more, it's, 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 you know, I have a, a modest list and a modest following, but they're highly engaged. And it's a great way to keep people kind of in the vortex of the launch discussion without it relying solely on email and without having to do a freaking challenge or three part video series, which just, it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite. How many, roughly how many people are on your email list? I have about, oh, that's about the size of my internet penis. Heavens. Uh, it's about 2000 people, a little over. Cool. And on, on IG? Instagram, I'm but I'm edging up on three thousand, so I don't Ooh. have mind blowing numbers. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you and so, have an even smaller list and an even smaller following as long as people are engaged. You know, the reason why I'm asking is exactly for that. Like, I don't care about the size. It's more yeah. the fact that you have an incredibly successful business. I mentioned in the intro that you effectively retired from doing copywriting work yeah. because you can sell other products, uh, yep. creative directions, messaging, structure, strategy. And so, yeah, you can see if you're listening to this episode right now, you can see that it's absolutely doable with without a fucking 10,000, 100,000 email yeah. list. That's, that's the thing, too, because I had a lot of people because I'm also very omnipresent. I have a team. I have a lot of support. Uh, so I'm, I'm everywhere in terms of, you know, showing up on well, Twitter is like always me. Instagram, I have support on um, and I double, you know, I double cross with Facebook and all of that. But what is interesting is people were like, I thought you had 20,000 people on your email list. And it's like, no way. First of all, first of all, I have never I haven't done that kind of paid advertising that brings in those numbers yet. And two, I think it's um we always think when people are visible and known in the space that it is, you know, it, we think about that in terms of email list size for one reason or another. But it's not the size of the boat, baby, it's the motion of the ocean. And the, I think the important thing to keep in mind as well is that this is the, the, the importance of not relying just on one platform. Um, so email list, you know, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, I hit all of those points for my launches in one way or another, because I'm mobilizing and I'm activating different people in different places on those platforms. So it's not always, you know, the, the size of your email list is not do or death. Uh, not do or die, and neither is the size of any of your social platforms. It's a matter of who's engaged and how you're using them. So let's unpack the launch, a very recent launch you've done, which is yes. selling your coaching. If you have a better example, go through it. But I think it's the most recent, and there's a lot of stuff we can unpack from it. So yeah. 
let's go from the beginning. We're not going to talk about how to create a product that people give a shit about that they find, you know, is compelling for them different. That's for another day. Let's assume for the time being that you have a product that's or service that actually is compelling because it, yeah. it generates value for people's relief pains and it's differentiated enough so people care about. So that's kind of the foundation. Yeah. Now we have that. Let's unpack then what you've done. Uh, let's let's go through your mind. What was step one when you decided, okay, I'm going to launch this thing or like make a big splash out of it? About yeah, it. absolutely. Um, so I find that I start with the, the pre-sell, always, always, always thinking about what conversation leads into this. And what's uh, the real blessing about what I'm selling being one-to-one coaching means that I have direct access to current recent buyers, which is great. And also past recent buyers because I stay friends with my clients and they, they keep sending me updates and all that good stuff. And it was actually a bit of a different point of view than I did last round. I think last round, I was talking about helping creatives who are kind of best kept secrets come out from behind the curtain and like do the thing in public and actually build brands and do what they want to do. But this round, what was interesting is what I was hearing a lot from my clients was that on sales calls and in, in you know the calls that we do in the coaching was that I feel like my brain's a mess and I feel like you hold up a mirror and show show me what's valuable in it. You can find the thread. You find what's sort of the gold sitting in there that I thought was just a disaster and me you know having influences and ideas from a million different places. But what I personally am good at is seeing all of those individual pieces and being like, okay, here's the common thread. We're going to do this, this, and this and turn it into that because that's been my number one struggle as a business owner because I'm easily distractible. I'm very energetic. Um, and I'm also, I, I really? am recovering. Yeah, exactly. I am a recovering workaholic in a lot of ways as well. So it's a real joy to be able to offer that process to people. So what I did for the pre-sell is I was like, let me experiment with talking to this problem. And I call it the messy brain problem. Um, where people are like, I, I feel like I can't just get a grip on what's what I need to do next because there's so much distracting me. And I often find that there are three things causing messy brain, which is one, you're doing a bunch of stuff you don't want to be doing anymore. You're really tired of your work and you're like, it just doesn't excite you. So you kind of feel exhausted. And you're also trying to do all the things because you've got this job, but you're like, oh, wait, should I be sending weekly emails to my list? Should I have a podcast? Should I be doing Instagram stories? Should I be making a course? And just really the, this pile of stuff that we put on our own plates when we think about you know building our brands and getting to the next level, we assume we have to be doing all the things. When in reality, we really have to be getting focused and taking the correct steps at the correct time. And the second, the second and third pieces of the messy brain puzzle are everyone has that one client who's been with you for however many years is still paying your old rates and uh, is the one that shows up on your inbox being like, hi, I know it's Friday night, but can you like get this to me like three hours ago? Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and then the, so there's the, there's the doing all the things, there's the problem client. And then there's also the fact that they feel like they, in some ways are, um, they're hiding because they don't know what to do next. And that frustration can be paralyzing. So it just creates this kind of rat's nest in our brains. Okay. So that's what I started speaking to with the pre-sale. And then the next phase was, you know, okay. So before we talk about the next phase, solution. let's yeah. unpack this. What's good about what you're doing naturally, and you've been talking about so many people about it, is because you are able to summarize what you're solving in one yes. or two words, right? So yeah. I think if you had to unpack this, that's kind of the first thing. Yeah. You are able to, instead of saying, well, actually, my coaching, it can help you do this, 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 and this, and this, and this. No, you, you just laser focus on one thing. 
right? Yeah. And that prevents you from basically, instead of having one message that just, you know, connects with people, having too many. I read this book recently. They were talking, giving this example. I'm going to fucking butcher the analogy, but he's saying you wouldn't add a PLG at the back of a Ferrari, like PLG being a, you know, those equipment, heavy duty equ equipment in fields and stuff like that, right? Yeah. You wouldn't, but you wouldn't add a PLG at the, at the back of a Ferrari because it wouldn't go to 100 miles an hour and do your fields for you. It wouldn't yeah. fucking work, right? Yeah. And it's the same thing for a message. It's like you just do one thing very well and don't yeah. fucking add shit to it because then it's not going to work. Yep. Yep. And I think that's actually where a lot of entrepreneurs struggle and where, where they get tricked where they get tricked and tripped up is the value conversation because they're like oh well it can be used for this 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 and this like it's like if you get a bottle of of cleaning solution and you find out that you can wash your hair and face with it and also your floor and also your car it doesn't excite you you're like what the hell is in this cleaning <laughs> that's dr yeah. waters by the way but i think so it's still a popular brand but it's i think um it helps people we, we get caught up in this idea that value is information, that what I can tell you and what I, what I think we can do is going to help you see the value. But the value is in the action. It's in, okay, where are you now? What needs to be done to get you where we want to go? And I think that's sort of what I anchored a lot of the launch conversation into, where it's like, okay, you want to do this, this, and this. But before that happens, we have to get you properly positioned in the market. And so... To unpack how you found out about this problem, you just have a conversation with people, right? But I suspect that the messy brain problem didn't just occur to you yes. all of a sudden. Or maybe it did, I don't know. But like, what are the steps that you took mm -hmm. that enabled you to actually have this very laser-focused message? Yes, it was for me. It's I think sales calls are the absolute best place to pick out. I mean, aside from, you know, traditional customer research and whatnot, um, sales calls are such a great way to pull out these problems, because I guarantee you, you know, your clients are all coming to you saying the same thing. And I was having the same conversation over and over. I was getting on the phone with these wonderful, like brilliant human beings. And they would look and like they'd look left and they'd look right. And they'd be like, I don't know what to tell you. I just feel like my brain is a mess and I like can't get a grip on it. And I know there's something in there and I'm so embarrassed about it because I do all X, Y, Z for my clients and I'm so good at my work. But when it comes to myself, I'm like, ah, you know, and that hearing that over and over and also how much shame is around it. So being able to talk about it as a common problem helps kind of unstick people and help them enter the conversation. So I was like, let me go ahead and kind of tap that note a little bit and see where we go. And the other thing as well is, I think the reason why people are scared of just focusing on one thing is what yeah. about all of the other things, right? But, what about the other things indeed? Yeah. They, no, but what they forget about, what people think about is what they think they're missing out on not saying those things. But actually, yeah. you need to think of what you're missing out on when you say all of those things. You yeah. Know? So it's the other way around. You need to think about by just saying one thing very well, you fucking connect with people at a deeper level. Yep. And so you're, if you don't, you're missing out on, on that power. It's like niching down. People are scared of it because they are afraid of missing out on an opportunity, but it's the opposite. So you have a very clear message and you use sales call to do that. Um, you, you just briefly mentioned kind of traditional customer research. Uh, I don't want to talk about it in too many details, yeah. but just briefly outside of just talking to people, sales call, what would be the other method you would use to find out like oh, absolutely. black people? 
absolutely spying on people, you know, from a distance like the government. But no, uh, going on, you know, into social media, into forums, into communities about creatives, just like looking, doing research and and looking into the kinds of problems people have. And and sometimes people don't always use the word positioning, but the problems around trying to brand themselves about trying to get out of whatever they're doing and kind of move into their next phase. And I'm also very public about my own business journey, by the way. So the reason why I attract, I think, so many people for this is I've been so open about my own challenges with it and really open about how I've solved the problems where I'm going next. Um, So that builds really strong trust. But aside from um, that sort of side note, in terms of more traditional customer research, um, surveys are good about why you buy and why you didn't. Um, I also have a segment email on my list where it's like, where are you at right now? Are you experimenting? Are you ready for the next phase? Are you a beginner? All of that. And just the, I think also uh, traditional sales calls really are the best one for me, but I also go back into uh, previous emails. When people respond to my emails, what's resonating with them? What conversations am I having um, that seem to be clicking? And it was just messy brain across the board. I was like, why did I not talk about this earlier? Um, but really, I find the the finger on the pulse, the zeitgeist moment is often in those face-to-face conversations and those casual chats you're having over DM. So you don't necessarily need to spend a fortune on somebody doing you know, that, that data mining for you. Um, just paying attention to what people are coming to you for and, and what they're struggling with and those secret look left look right moments. What happens after they feel like no one else is listening? What are they bringing to you? Um, It's just the most exciting place to play also from a strategic standpoint. And usually what happens is once you go through this exercise and have this kind of very simple message, in retrospect, it feels so obvious, right? But that's what happens. Like, I mean, to go very meta, it's like the messy brain on coming up with this stuff. It just seems easy in retrospect, but in the middle of it, yeah, you don't fucking know. You can go on the message. Yeah, that's it's gonna be scary being like, well, what if this is wrong? And what if it resonates with no one? And what if I die alone? You know, there's all those all places those our brains go. <laughs> so preset, right? You have a very clear problem you're going after, a very clear yeah. message. How did you structure the the strategy? Because you didn't only use emails, as you mentioned, you also right. ma- uh, use Instagram. So how did you go about that? Yes. So I actually use, um, I, I go to the best for this kind of thing. So Tyler J. McCall or Tyler McCall, I think now, I think he removed the J from his brand name. Anyway, um, he is an Instagram strategist and has this really cool workbook that kind of walks you through a solid Instagram strategy. So I followed that and it, it goes through the kind of traditional launch process in a way that you would via email where you have the Q&A, where you have the um, why do people need it now, now, now? What's a common misconception? Um, and what I was u- doing was I was basically walking people through. So we had the a couple of pre-sell posts and then we have the announcement post where it's like, hey, hooray, awesome. Like it's open and go put in your application. But what I'm doing is I'm posting that, then I'm going to Instagram stories and saying, hey guys, you know, this is open. Here's why it's so cool. Here's what I'm so excited about. Here are a couple testimonials. Awesome. Now I'm going to go over to Instagram TV and talk about this further and answer some of your questions. So it's really sort of deploying all three means on Instagram in addition to email um, has been super, super powerful. Just helping people continue to consume the information because there's a lot of cross reference between what I do, who I talk to on my email list and who I talk to on Instagram. And interestingly, what I also did this round is that um, as part of the pre-sale, I actually linked the Instagram video I did on Messy, Messy Brains and sent it to my list. So I had more people following me on Instagram, 
more people who are tuned in there as well. Um, so we go through the process. Let me actually open it up and I can tell you better. Give me one second. Do it. Do it. So we had the, there's gold in that messy brain of yours, but then I did social proof uh, where I had a whole post on one of my favorite students. Um, so is, is that pre-sale or after? Yeah, this is after. So it's pre-sale. Okay. Wait, what did I do? No, I did. I did. No, this is how I did it. I did uh, pre-sell was the mess, just hinting at it, then messy brain, then social proof, telling a story of one of my clients. And then the next day I launched. Okay. Next so you had three messages. Yep. The first one being, what was it? The first one was, let me see here. I think I did two this time, but last time, the first one I did was talking about misconceptions about having a coach where I was like, I don't need it. Okay. I'm not a fancy person who needs a coach. Why would I, why would I do that? So, and then this time I, I shortened the pre-sale because it didn't seem as necessary to do all three days. So I did two. So I did the gold in that messy brain of yours. And then I did, let me tell you a story about a client who had these amazing results. And I, I really wanted to tell her story too. Um, and I, I tell stories like this with a lot of heart because I just really love the shit out of my clients. And so I told that story. And then the next day we went into launch mode. So those emails or messages were one day at a time, like every day. Yes. Another one. Yep. yep. Every day in a row for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So how many complaints did you get from, from messaging people every day? Zero. Zero complaints. <laughs> they uh, don't I'm like, just unfollow me. Don't, don't complain. I mean, I'm not going to answer you. Um, I like to think that's the culture and the vibe I give out. But uh, yeah, it zero is. complaints. And I think that's, I'm glad you brought that up. Because again, this is a lot of the concern people have about launching. Am I going to annoy people? And the answer is no. Yeah. And, and if they are slightly annoyed, then they can fuck off and unsubscribe, right? Exactly. That's what the button is for. And they don't have to bring that shit to you. And if they do, it's something personal. So they should be out of your life anyway. Don't let the door hit him on the ass on the way out. Okay. So you, it sounds very easy and very, very intuitive when you say it, but it, a lot of work comes into yes. what you've done. Uh, a lot of kind of learned lesson and mistakes yep. that you don't want to make anymore. So I'm yep. trying to unbundle them as much as possible. So the misconception one, why did you feel this was necessary to do that? Well, in terms of, oh, the misconceptions. Because yeah. um, I, so the reason why I did that one is first of all, it's just a good strategy to speak directly to an objection like that. Like what's the number one reason why somebody wouldn't invest in coaching. And it was also a part of my journey. And this is a story that I've told, like I literally have a blog post I wrote called how to mentor your damn self because not everybody needs a coach all the time. But if you, if you want to do something you've never done before, if you're going into uncharted waters, it certainly helps to have a guide. Um, but I was, it was sort of, I did that pre part as part of pre-sell because it was fun for me to unpack. I was like, I remember the days before, like what convinced me to invest in a coach? Cause I was solo the first like seven, six or seven years of my business. Like I'm almost at year 10. Um, and of course my results skyrocketed when I got the right support, but you don't, you don't really buy that when you have, uh, and this is part of why coming out of, from behind the, the scenes was one of the first uh, was from the, the launch prior to this one, why that was a core point. Because it was like, you've come as far as you can being scrappy and figuring it out as you go, but now you've hit a wall. And what happens next? Um, so that was part of why I wanted to talk about 
coaching as a misconception. Um, the, the value of coaching being for fancy people as a total misconception um, and that it's actually something that you should be investing in when you're at this point instead of being like, well, when I make $20,000 a month, then I can pay for a coach. Because I think some people have the idea of getting coaching support kind of the same way they think about like sororities and fraternities. It's like, why would I pay for friends? Why would I pay for a mentor? And it's easy to slip into that. And it's kind of a cool kid way of thinking because you're like, I don't need a coach. I'm good. But it was just, it was fun to dig into. And I think it, uh, it definitely moved the needle. So then the social proof side of things is kind of a, a more, I would say, obvious one. I mean, everyone yes. knows about this. You need to, 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 to share a result. And yes. you told you told the story, but you mentioned the story side of things. You're not saying it in a very dry way. You, yeah. you have a way with words yourself. You, you're very skilled at it. So it's difficult to teach others. I guess it's practice, right? Yeah. Uh, but telling a story with dialogues inside it, very vivid descriptions, very vivid results, very specific results. It's not just you know, dry. But anyway, we can't really talk about this in detail. This this will take another fucking episode. Not even oh, probably yeah. a season. I don't know where to be. It's it's we're still locked down here in Brooklyn. But no, I yeah. I, I it's one thing I do want to say um, is that I also actually changed the angle of social proof this time. Um, so last time I did the money thing where it's like, oh, I had this one client who was coming to me and the pandemic hit and she was like, my business is now going to implode. And I was like, nah. Um, and we like rejigged her, we like went forward with the, with the plan and she ended up having her best month ever in the middle of a pandemic. She jumped from 14, uh, 10, uh, around 10 to 14 and now she's closer to 20, which is great. Um, but I didn't want to tell that story again because there's more important things than money in this conversation. I think it's really easy to be like, look how much money I helped this person make. But the, the story I wanted to tell this round was about what's more important than money because while this girl who I talked about, uh, my former client of mine, Sarah Zirkel, phenomenal copywriter, great human being. Um, she went through our coaching and actually had some things unfold in her personal life that caused her to step back for a little while. But then when she came back, because she had everything ready to go and all these tools in her pocket, she hit the ground sprinting, came back guns blazing. Her three months in, I think she's been three months back or something, three or six months. And her business is better than it's ever been. She's working with A-list clients. She's teaching what she wants to teach. She's doing what she wants to do. She's, she sent me a message just like, she was like, I had a $5,000 project just fall into my lap again. And I just wanted you to know how different this feels you know, from not having how hard I used to have to hustle for those types of projects. And now they're just landing in my lap. And this is awesome. Um, and that's part of having a business and a brand that's built on what you do uniquely well. Even if you have to take time away, when you come back, it you can fire up the gas again, because you're not like, oh, no, I have to build this back up again. And I have to swim around in circles for a little bit until I figure out where I'm going. Um, so that like excitement, satisfaction and confidence uh, was something I wanted to speak to more. So you're talking more about emotional benefits and, yeah. and, and things that touch on things bigger than just money. Like what 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 enables you to to have like once you have more money, once you get more money from it, like you feel more confident. You, yeah. As you said, you don't need to to beg for 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 clients and and, and yeah. discount your fees and whatnot. So I appreciate you making the point. I think it's it's a very important one. It's not all about just dollar signs, and especially yeah. if you don't want to be too. I think I mean I associate it with with kind of shady yeah. marketers when it's about money 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 too much as well uh, right like, we increased the client's results by three thousand five hundred and eighteen percent i'm oh, like freaking hate this. It, it, meaning they were making zero dollars yeah making three thousand bro fascinating 
Yeah. Uh, anyone, anyone can come up with shitty case studies yeah. like this. It's just so obvious. So when you can paint a vivid image of what it looks yeah. like to be in this future state that you want to be yeah. in, using a real world example and going deep into the emotions, using the words of, of the people who, who went through it, it just goes way beyond just a shitty case study with like, as you said, 3,584% increase. So yeah, it's good. So the pre-sale uh, was there. And then the day after you said, hey, this is it, you can apply. I mean, yeah. The, not yeah. the start of the, the yes, sale. The start of uh, applications are open, yeah. Mm -hmm. So how many emails, how many message, like what was the strategy after the, the pre-sale? I, so I think I sent, let me see here. So I did, let's see, I did the announcement post, which I did, which, mean, which meant I did the post Instagram story, IG live. Um, I did what's on your stop doing list. That was the next step where we we're talking about sort of, again, the process. Um, and then I went again on Instagram stories, shock about that. Um, then I did a Q&A day on Instagram stories, which did not have a post tied to it, I believe, um, which I did again, Instagram stories and then um, Instagram TV. And then I, oh, there we go. Yeah, we, we did do the Q&A post. Fabulous. Um, and then I continued. Yeah, I'm like, I've just gotten my head still spinning from the launch. Um, and then we did the final closeout yesterday, uh, which was basically like last call to action was, um, you know, get in obviously your applications for the uh, August, September rounds, like come on in. Um, and email wise, I think I did seven or eight. Um, so every day I was sending emails from Wednesday to Wednesday. So that was... So let's, let's unpack this a bit. So you talked about process. So unpacking the process, unpacking, you talked about, you did Q and A, so answering yep. people's questions, anything else, if you, if you take a step back from it, like so you talked about the process Q and A, what else did you do? I talked about the uh, process Q and A, and then I also put the other idea, like painting the picture of end results, which was the stop doing list email. And I, that was a sub, the subject line was just no. Um, and the open rates were like, <laughs> Great, because everyone loves a good email about no. Um, one thing I didn't do this time that I have done on occasion is sending emails over the weekend, um, but the rate I was getting applications was fine. I didn't really feel the need to, um, but I don't think people should shy away from that. When I do product launches, I always send a couple of Sunday emails just because it's like, hey, I know you're like trying, pretending to hang out with your family and scrolling your <laughs> inbox because that's where you live. You you work dog, um, but it was uh, it was it really fun to kind of experiment with the process, and I think that having the no conversation, having the FAQs, and then we did the who is it for, uh, which was I think Tuesday, and then uh, yesterday we did like final calls, like imagine what your life could be like, and then the last call, coaching decision making email was last night. Okay, you're making my job very difficult. So <laughs> let me just think back. Okay, so process. The Q and A, mm -hmm. who it's for, mm -hmm. the desired like the desired state. Yep. And then the final call. Yep. X two in a sense. Yep. Okay, so let's unpack that a bit. So why yep. did you talk about the process? I know it might sound obvious, but why did you talk about what actually goes on in your coaching? And just one thing to say about your coaching is, I would call it productivized coaching and I fucking hate this term yeah. but I think it's a great way to say it you, yeah. you package it it's six weeks long six weeks long it's yeah. not an ongoing forever thing so it's kind of a product yeah. package it fits yeah. in a box like it's just you know anyway so, service is the word yeah mm -hmm. yeah 
that's it. So yeah, this this thing. So why do you feel the need to talk about what will happen, like the process of of the coaching itself? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I really think part of a buyer decision, especially when it comes to something one to one, is helping people picture themselves in the process, helping people picture themselves on with me on the other end of a Zoom call, talking about what's on their stop doing list, talking about what their specialty and signature framework is, um, because that makes it real, and that also continues to create that desire from a place of really strong integrity. Because if you don't need that, you're like, that sounds cool, moving on. But if that's something you know your business needs and can really use, picturing yourself with it, being like, man, I cannot imagine if I was able to talk to somebody about this who could really pull this out of me, what would I be able to achieve? Um, and that's, again, a great way to sort of paint the picture and continue to uh, work on that belief shift. Indeed. And then you did uh, Q&A. So, I mean, yes. that's kind of obvious why yeah. it's necessary. Yeah. Uh, but so people could ask questions on Instagram, is that it? Yes, people could ask questions, questions on Instagram they were submitting. Um, and then I also did a Q&A email. Um, the Q&A email was much shorter because it was just asking the basic, you know, time, money, energy. Um, and it's also a great way to add more social proof. So basically asking a question, you know, um, imagine, you know, this, you have this question, oh, this answer, just like so-and-so did. And then have a little vo a screenshot of like a Voxer comment about selling their first high ticket program or something. Um, and it's important to talk about like, I can't guarantee results, but like, this is what I can tell you we're going to work on and all of that. It's a great way to continue uh, and create actually value through the conversation, also answer people's questions and help them decide whether it's for them or not. Um, and Q&A can also be a place where we forget that we need to like really take a stand and help people like decide whether it's for them or not. We want to be like make too many allowances often in Q&A emails because it's like, well, is it for you? It's for everybody. Come on in. Like, I don't want to close myself off to potential sales, um, but it is important to get the right people in. So that's another really vital place to kind of put your stake in the ground and say yes, no. So uh, to make sure I understand correctly, you didn't come up with the questions you you did. Well, sometimes. So, so you there. I had the uh, questions that were coming in from Instagram that were quite specific, okay. and so I I grabbed a couple of good ones there, just which are questions. But they they usually fall in line with the usual FAQs because you know there's a structure to the traditional FAQ part of a sales page for a reason. Everyone wants to know, you know, is this for sure? Um, it's it's I find that time, money, and energy are often the top three that you're going to be talking about. Um, so you want to talk about cost and the investment, why it's worth it. You want to be talking about um, how much time people need to spend on it. Um, and then you want to be talking about the value they're going to get for their personal labor. So you paint the picture of, you know, well, if you're, if you're doing this, if you're showing up two, three hours a week for yourself, here's what you're going to be able to achieve. Um, and then after okay. that, it's questions like, you know, I've, um, often it's like, I've done coaching before and it didn't really work. How will this work for me? Or I've done programs where you can position yourself against the traditional program or against traditional coaching um, that's more open-ended. Um, so yeah, and this is where, again, having a productized service really works because you point to the system. You're like, this is how it's going to work every time. So let me, and it's, it's, it's not so templatized that it feels rigid, but people can see the steps and picture themselves in the process. So they know exactly what they'd be getting each step of the coaching journey. So time, money, resources. Yep. And then you said something I like, which is you positioned against something else. Yep. yep. Right. So 
let's talk about that because that's super fucking important. That's how, I mean, in my opinion, that's how you bring something to life in a sense. Amen. Uh, people's brain use up 20% of the, the energy of the body, right? So yep. disproportionate amount compared to the weight. And we don't want to use that much fucking energy. So we need something to lean on, right? To lean against. Yep. We we don't want to come up with thoughts from scratch. We want to compare to something else and, and say, oh, that's like that, but not the, not 100%. And the other thing as well is, is, is a way to show your expertise by by showing how different it is and for a reason. So anyway, I'm unpacking it a bit and, and you probably have other, another point of view on it, but so why, why is it so important to you to, to position it against something else? Oh, it's exactly, it's exactly the reason uh, you gave. And I talk about this as like, um, no is kind of a North star um, because it really helps you get clear. Cause yes, is like big and nebulous. Cause yes, leaves room for everything, but no, it allows you to get really, really specific about what this is and what it is not. Um, and I think also there's a way to do that because some people are afraid of starting, you know, using that no, taking that strong stance because they're like, well, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to alienate people. And, you know, a part of me is like, if I can alienate people, who cares? Um, but no, what you really want to do is be be respectful about it, of course. But what you want to say is is illustrate, be able to illustrate your own value in contrast to another thing out there. So people who have experienced that other thing or people, even people who are suspicious of that other thing can understand how this works in relation to, you know, other coaching programs, other products around positioning or, or programs, all of this stuff. Um, so they can really see the difference and figure out whether one-on-one -on -one support and the way I do things is what they're looking for. And how do you pick the enemy, the, you know, this, the status quo? And before actually... Before talking about that, let's just go back to one thing about people being afraid. So that's something yeah. that's been shared to me before when I give this yeah. advice. They're afraid of being rude. They're afraid of, 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 of picking a fight when they don't want to. So what do you say to people who are afraid of that? Like, what's the, the downside of picking a side? There's the there's no I don't think there's any downsides to picking a side except that you might get some ang a couple of angry emails. But actually, my as somebody who's kind of made a, a career for myself um, of being a contrarian and speaking to these things just like you do, I've gotten very little hate mail in my career. Knock on wood. Um, and this is the I'm, I'm literally knocking on wood because I'm superstitious like that. But um, what is interesting about it is that people who are concerned with that are in the same mindset often as well, I don't know if I want to post this on social media because what if everyone hates it or what if nobody sees it? And it, or I want everybody to love it and be obsessed with it and for it to go viral. And it's like, well, the, either of those three things probably isn't going to happen, especially when you're starting out. So I think that's that's an imposter syndrome thing. That's a monkey brain thing. But what I talk to my clients about when it comes to taking a stand is where you get into hot water um, with this contrarian thing is about targeting individuals. Um, targeting individuals whose careers can suffer, whose bottom lines can suffer, whose families, you know, will read what you're having to say. That's where you can get into hot water. But what I find is the best strategy is to point to the system and also come at it from a place of empathy. Almost every piece that I've written that has been like a hot take in the industry has started with. So here's what most people believe. And that's completely understandable because X, Y, Z. And that allows people who may not initially agree with you to open their minds, to feel seen, to feel met at their level. So they're more open to having their minds change and receiving new information. So it's blame the game, not the player. Exactly. Hate the player. No, no don't hate the player. Hate the game. Yeah, uh, yeah fuck. Uh, anyway, that's why I do a bunch of things for a living as well. And uh, <laughs> But from my experience as well, to give it, because I'm a contrarian as well, and I fucking yeah. love to take a side for the sake of it sometimes, I've never 
I've never received an email or a yeah. tweet or anything right? that says what you're saying is shit. I did receive, and I still do receive a few emails, a few messages from people saying that I pick my nose too often or <laughs> and that I cursed, that I cursed too much. Yeah. That's usually I, you know what I tell those people? <laughs> what do you tell them? Fuck you. I don't there we shit. go. Finger in the nose and all. Um, no, but it's I, true though. When you think about it, like it's, it's, you're very contrarian. I'm contrarian. I try to be, the name of the podcast is very contrarian on, on yeah. purpose and yeah. you don't get anyone insulting you or anything. It just doesn't happen. What I'm afraid of is obscurity. I'm not yeah. afraid of, of, of making enemies because it just doesn't happen. If you do it exactly as you described, picking this against the system, the mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. in general, you don't name people, you, and you don't blame it on them. You say, Hey, I understand why you're doing this. You know, you want to reach your target. You want to make money. I don't blame yep. you. I blame yep. the system that makes you think this way. Yep, absolutely. And that's, again, it's it's about meeting people where where they are. I wish politics, the political dialogue was more like this. Um, but I think I love what you said, saying, you know, I'm not afraid of criticism. I'm afraid of obscurity. And amen. Like, if you want to be visible, you have to have the allies and enemies. You have to. Um, and even the happiest brands in the world are a little bit against something because they're against the bummer brands, i.e. So it's interesting, like allies and enemies, it's something we neglect as part of branding, something we neglect in our brand strategy all too easily. Uh, but it's, yes. it's vital. It's absolutely necessary. Especially if you're small, starting out, yeah. you cannot just be a happy brand, just agreeing with everyone, repeating what other people are saying. It just yep. doesn't work. And psychologically speaking, I've been researching that a lot recently. Why? Why do we do this? Why do we are compelled to be attracted to negative emotions or to have a villain in our life? And I'm also going to butcher this, but uh, the reason why we need a villain in our life is because it allows us to summarize things that are bad for us in a kind of a sh- character shape in a, in a thing that we comprehend. And that prevents us from, from seeing randomness in the world. Like it's not about being random anymore. It's not about shit happens to us. It's, it's, it's you personally fight to the point where people can comprehend it and fight against yeah. it. So it's very yeah. powerful stuff. And it goes back to storytelling as well. And something that we've been doing for fucking millennials because of our need to, to belong and, and to be heard and, and all of that. So it, it, ha- it is rooted in psychology, meaning it's not a fad that's going to go in five years, right? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And I think it also creates that that, oh shit, I've been looking for someone saying this. Like, thank you. And I'm sure you get this a lot because I do. Thank you for saying what I was thinking, but I'm able to articulate. And that's where you want to live. Like, that's where you know that you're on the right track with your message and your audience. And most people... 90 po- I mean, I'm going to come up with a shitty statistics like I always do. 99% of people are too afraid of saying something like that. So by yeah. definition of you taking a stand, you're already yeah. doing something a lot of people don't do. And as you said, if you think that, if, you, if, if you're annoyed at this thing, but you're too afraid to say it, chances are, it's not even chances, it's 100% certain that other people have thought the same. We are 7 billion, nearly 8 billion on, in, this, in this world. Trust me, you're not the only one with those thoughts. Yep. Exactly. Don't stop thinking you're so special. Seriously. Yeah, Say the not. thing. Why not? See what happens. So Q&A, picking a, picking a side, comparing yourself with yeah. the right thing. Oh, yeah. Before we move on, the question I asked before, before, before asking you another one is which status quo, which enemy do you pick? Because there could be a many, many fights, right? So yeah. how do you pick the, the right fight? I find so... Um, I, this is another place where talking to your customers obviously is great because you'll hear them say like, I tried this, but like the issue that a lot of my clients had was that they, you know, have a 
pile of programs and courses around this stuff gathering dust. Why? Because they don't know they haven't they don't know how to prioritize taking time for themselves. There's nobody holding them accountable. Um, so they're gathering, gathering, gathering information and not moving. And I'm a big I speak to learn by doers because that's who I am. I think we may have talked about this in the last episode um, that we did. But I think for me, um, because I was I was never really a great student. Um, I'm not I'm very I'm not really a theory person. Like you put me in a lecture, my eyes will cross. I will start like texting um, just because I can't really absorb in info well that way. But let me get my hands dirty. Let me start trying things. Let me start making mistakes. And then I will pick things up incredibly quickly. Um, And that's a lot of who I work with are people who do best when they're getting their hands dirty and they're moving. So a big part of the way I do my coaching is it's like, we're having this conversation, then you have homework. And I want you to get me, you know, this outline, I want you to get me this email, I want you to get me, you know, this uh, step by step of your approach, all of these tools that I have them working through, and I I bother them if I don't see them, um, which is also helpful. I'm like, where is it? We can't, we got to have this before the next session, Um, which gets people moving and kind of gets their brains building that momentum. It gets them sort of understanding also that this is not necessarily something that's going to take over their lives. This is the work they can do in addition to the client work that they're doing for the moment. Um, But it makes it doable and it helps them see progress more quickly. So they get excited and then the rest of the, the journey is much easier. All right. And then the last thing you mentioned was the, the kind of the final call type of emails, right? Which is, yeah. I mean, those are again, hard. yeah, those are hard <laughs> because they are, they could feel a bit salesy and a bit, you know, all of that stuff, but oh, they yeah. are not really, if you have a good reason why you're, you know, finishing the, yeah. sending them to take action now. So how, what's your approach towards, hey, this I- is it, this is the last chance. Yes. And there's it's something called a pattern interrupt cart close email because the traditional cart closing email is like, hey, knock, knock, knock. Like it's going away tonight. Don't miss this. Or you're going to be sad. And then knock, 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 last reminder. And that's that's not very inspiring. You know, it's not really going to it's not really going to push those people who are on the fence off of it. They're just like, oh, OK, well, next time. Um, So what I focused on with my final two emails was talking again to the to that experience of knowing that they want more for their business, really painting a picture of what that looks like for them right now um, so that they can kind of move into the next phase and obviously positing power position as a solution. Um, But the most important thing we can talk about and, and remember for cart close emails is they're not about reminders. They're about coaching decision making. Um, so what I wanted to do was kind of tee up the the email in the morning to say like, hey, so, you know, you've probably been brought face to face with a lot right now about what you want and don't want in your business. And you've got this messy brain and all of this is happening to you. And you're like, oh, my God, I've let so much time pass me by waiting for the right time to make the step and to do something crazy. Like, I don't know, retire from copywriting, like some nut jobs um, in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, And just sort of talking about that enough moment of where they're like, oh my gosh, I realized that I had so many opportunities to take this jump and take this swing. And I didn't because I was always waiting for the right time. And now the right time is really, really gone. So maybe that's an illusion anyway. Um, so that's one of the, that's a very, very philosophical version of what I ended up writing. I think you read it. So I, I put that to them just saying like, if you, but if you want to take the step, go ahead and send in your application. We can talk about it. I would love to support you. And then the final email, very short, just being like, Hey, you've read the emails, you've been through the process, but now I want to challenge you to think, you know, do you want to be 
a year from now being like, I should have done power position then because imagine where I could have been. I should have just just gone for it. Um, but also phrasing it in a way that encourages people to know that if you're not a right fit for this, I'm not going to make you do it. Getting them kind of off the fence in that way, like send in the application. Let's have the conversation. Um, if you think this is what you want, let's discuss it in depth and then we'll take it from there. Um, because I think that's another part of the hesitation too. People are like, I sent in my application and what if I get talked into it? And what if I can't say no? Um, so that was just one final, the note I wanted to hit too, which is a tricky line to straddle because you don't want to sound unconfident um, with that. But I think it was a matter of, you know, just reminding them that my number one priority is getting the right people in the program. Um, so they send in their application. If they're feeling called, send in their application. Let's talk about it. Let's go. I would love to help you create uh, this next so that's how uh, I went down. The last ingredient that you're using, which I thought you would mention, is is you are adding some sort of scarcity by saying yes. Um, yes. that the price would increase, mm -hmm. right? So you're not yes. saying you're saying two things. You're saying, I mean, a, a lot more, but the two main things yeah. are: this is the last time for you to do yeah. it because price will increase, and I'm not going to open the application anytime soon. So what? How do? You, why did you choose this strategy? Yes. So actually, because, well, because I'm raising the price, um, I actually, it was funny because I, I thought I was going to be raising the price next time. I didn't want it to be a focal point of the whole launch um, because I didn't want deal hunters just like swooping in being like, oh, well, this is the last time it's going to be like this price. So I love a good deal. Um, those aren't necessarily the people I want to be working with, but I did it. I said it on the last day because first of all, I am going to be raising the price. It's part of uh, the larger ecosystem of my business and, and this additional vision that I have. Um, and so I, I put it to them the last day to push that urgency and also just let people know who were getting to the finish line, who may have needed just that extra touch as to whether now was the right time or not. If they, I wanted to give them that information. I didn't want to necessarily use it to create core scarcity because for me, the scarcity is applications are closing. You're not going to be able to get in again until, you know, October at the earliest. Um, and I can't take everybody into this program. There are limited spots. Um, so I wanted to be careful with what I shared. But yes, the reason why I talked about this the last opportunity for this price point on the last day was just to get that final push without having to make it a focus of the campaign. I think that can be really distracting for people. The same, and, and also for you writing the emails, being like, oh, well, price is going up, so I better mention that in every email. And it was just, it, it for me, it would have thrown off my whole game, I think. Um, so it was just really cornerstoning it by saying, like, just letting you guys know price is going up. So they have the information to make a more informed decision as opposed to racing to the finish line because this is the last time they're going to get a great deal. Gotcha. Okay. So thanks for sharing all of this. And thanks for like unpacking the way you do things, which a lot of it is intuition based on your experience and what you've done over the years. But I just took a few notes. Just going to repeat a few things that you said. So you, started by, you started by saying... Two, the two main things to be careful about is the, like the integrity side and the tech side of things that automation without doing the work, it doesn't, doesn't work uh, yeah. really. Uh, you need to unpack the beliefs that they have about themselves right now, the self-story, the worldview, yeah. and change it. You, know, you need to flip it around to suit you know, what they want to achieve in, in their life. And you're using sales call, you're using like firsthand contact with people to, to know yes. that this is, this is the core problem, this is the message. And then you had, you had the pre-sale element where you talk about your process, uh, had Q&A, talked about who it's for, talked about where they want to be, the desired state, the final call, and there we are. 
Yes, perfect. And I do want to add one more thing with Instagram strategy. The goal isn't always and actually usually isn't clicking the link in your profile. The goal is getting people to DM you, which is really interesting. So you can have those conversations. And, and Facebook was kind of the same story, but my DMs aren't as active there. So I did want to add that note with uh, Instagram, creating Instagram in tandem with an email strategy. Email strategy is either e easy, click the link, get the application, do the thing. But Instagram, it's like asking open-ended questions so people feel welcome to have the conversations with you to find out whether it's for them. A really useful tool in that regard. But I just did want to clarify that because for Instagram, it's like link in bio, swipe up. Nay, you want to be actually having conversations with people. Yeah, thanks for making that point. I'm not on Instagram, not planning to be on. But, Why not? Because uh, it gives me anxiety. I hate seeing other people's highlight reel. Um, <laughs> just not for me. It's That's one day maybe. But uh, it's like LinkedIn or Facebook. I, I, I am on it because I post, but I never read stuff. I block everything. And yeah, that makes I sense. Can't deal, can't deal with, with, with that stuff. Hilary, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for unpacking all of that with me. Last question that I asked, that I asked you the last time, but to be yes. honest, I completely forgot what you said. So we're going to re-ask and awesome. maybe you're going to come up with the same answer. <laughs> maybe I'll come um, up with a better answer. <laughs> what, what are the top three resources uh, you'd recommend people uh, listening right now. So it could be about launching specifically if you want to, but it could be about anything else as well. Oh man, top three resources for launching for, um, first of all, watch my show, Hamya, number one resource, king resource. Um, you already but, mentioned uh, that. Uh, I'll go ahead, I'll, I'll, I'll move that away. Um, so I will refer to you guys to my teachers. Um, so for email, I've been, in, I've been doing email for a long time. I was a copywriter for 10 years. Uh, one of the people who teaches it best is a woman called Tarzan K. Um, she's got great emails, really um, awesome. Tarzan K. Calrissian, technically, um, but she goes by Tarzan K. So she has a great program, Email Stars, that is a really, really great tool for anybody looking to kind of get into email copywriting, either as a profession um, or cranking up the way they use email in their business. She's awesome at it. One of the greats, uh, for sure. And for Instagram, Tyler McCall is the second one. Tyler J. McCall, great teacher. Um, I, he has a full program for um, Instagram strategy, but I just used the workbook that he sells, which is, um, I think it was like a down sell of some tripwire. Really effective. And it's a great way to just get your brain in order around the sales conversation that you want to be having. So that's a really handy tool. And then the third resource, have you heard about this little podcast called Everyone Hates Marketers? Um, no, I think that's always a great one. Hearing how people do and don't do things. Very what Oh, fine. All right, fine. Um, I think the third one would probably be, I really like to read what people are doing and kind of keep an eye on uh, what people in my industry are doing. So one person who does uh, Instagram stories really well and really strategically is actually my own CMO. Her name is Hunter Welling. Um, and she has, I can get her Instagram handle for you, but she does stories in a really interesting way um, that don't necessarily require her to be, to be the agency is her handle. So it's a T H E A G E N S H E. Um, and she has a really effective way of doing Instagram stories that feels really good, that feels really genuine, but she's always selling. Um, and I think it's very inspiring to see. She's also not always on video. There's a lot of text. Um, so if you're interested in what that looks like, she also has a small list but runs a really high-end business. She's great to work with. Um, I think the the most least amount of money you can 
pay her right now for retainers is like 4,500 a month or something. So she's really fantastic at what she does. Um, and it's just a great source of inspiration for Instagram stories that are constantly selling, but feel good, feel like storytelling um, and feel valuable. She's very masterful at it. So I recommend everyone take a look. Nice. Thanks so much for, for, for uh, answering this question with a lot of detail. I had never heard of uh, 1000K before. I'm going to check her out. Uh, yeah. I like her website. It's very... Yeah. I helped with the photos, actually. Of course, you <laughs> fucking did. <laughs> My fingers are everywhere on the internet. You can't escape me, man. It's like the, 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 Easter, the ultimate Easter egg. Where is <laughs> not... Where, where isn't Hillary on? Which page isn't she on? All right, you've been a pleasure as always. Thanks so much for the energetic answers and unpacking your, your knowledge. Always. Pleasure to be here, man. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple uh, days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.